You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show, episode 99, Monday, April 18th, 2022. How are you doing, Christina Dennis? I'm doing great, Damon Frank. How are you? Good. A little bit of a late start. Yeah, a little bit of a late start today. You know, it's like one of these expectations where you think you're going to be up and going and productive by 7 a.m., but it just didn't work. (laughs) Yes, yes, I understand that. And it was a holiday weekend. Did you have a nice weekend? It was. It was an Easter weekend, uh, Passover weekend for some people. Yes, it was really great. Uh, took yesterday off, which was really nice. Sunday had a really good event with the family. Uh, what you. about you? What's go? What what happened with you this weekend? Same thing. My son and my husband and I just relaxed. It was a beautiful day uh, in Southern California. Not rubbing it in, I promise. But it was it was really restful, and I just think that that regardless of your religious affiliation, it is a day of rebirth for sure. So I thought it Absolutely. was beautiful. Absolutely. You know, I know a lot of people in uh, that are in recovery celebrate Easter and Passover, and it is about rebirth. You know, it does have a lot to do, actually, with recovery. It Uh, sure does. uh, You know, it really does, because, you know, uh, coming back from addiction does seem like a rebirth to a new life. And so I think a lot of people that are in recovery relate to the whole topic of Easter. Right, right. And there's always the Easter bunny. (laughs) And there's always, exactly. Exactly. Well, I hope the Easter Bunny showed up to all of our listeners' homes. And uh, we've got a great show for you today, two really jam-packed segments here of some great information. Even though we got a little slow start, we're going to bring it heavy today. Going to bring it heavy. we got a lot of really great stuff. Yes. Happy Monday to everybody. Before we do that, I want to let you know this show is being brought to you by Recovered Life contributors and people like you. Please make sure to like, follow, share, and leave a comment so we can keep bringing the content that you're interested in to the show. Also visit info.recoveredlife.us. You can join the network, which is completely free, and leave a donation that allows us to keep helping others. That's info.recoveredlife.us. Thank you so much for mentioning that, Christina Dennis. Uh, Great show ahead. I would also like to give a shout out to everybody who's listening on YouTube now. We've had a lot more uh, people that are like sharing and following uh, the channel there and are catching the show live Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m. So thank you so much for everybody that's listening on YouTube live. So great show for you today, guys. Great show. We've got two really interesting topics. Uh, The one is near and dear uh, to my heart, uh, which is, you know, segment one here, which we want to talk about, which is questioning if you're really an alcoholic. Christina, you found this really great article, and it was from The Guardian uh, about a woman's story going through the process of of really kind of questioning whether or not she is an alcoholic after getting sober during the pandemic. Totally, totally. And and Maggie is the name of the author. And her story really touched me because she had such a good description about her relationship with alcohol. You know, she's found hugging a tree, uh, has the, the kids, the job, the husband, everything on the outside looks great. But she started to realize it was coming at a cost and she was depending on alcohol on a daily basis, even on days that she, you know, didn't, um, 
didn't partake, she was thinking about the very next day that she could partake. And it really, really reminded me of my own story because she hadn't lost everything, uh, but people were starting to whisper. People were just starting to ask questions. And she describes in detail the day that she woke up in her clothes after a blackout. And I, I really felt like that was somewhat my story. And I thought it was important for people to, to know that, that when, when you depend on alcohol, it's actually kind of like a living hell because she yeah. does such a beautiful job talking about how she was always in, uh, in pain looking for the next drink and how yeah. she has been released from that. Well, you know, the interesting thing about this article is I think that although people might not totally relate to her story, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they've had this process. And we were talking about this the other day that there's a lot of people who got sober who realized that they had an alcohol problem during COVID, during the lockdown. Yes. They were yes. trapped in their house. They realized, you know, because the change of scenery and the mm -hmm. change of habit, they either started, their alcoholism escalated right? Or so drug use true. escalated. And yes. then now, and then they're like, oh my gosh, I have a problem. And then they've started on the recovery path. Now that they're back into their day-to-day -day lives or they, they question, Hey, am I really an alcoholic? Like maybe this was just a fad. Maybe right. this just a fad. And you know, what I wanted to bring up here, Christine, is that this is not new to COVID. I no. think that most people after they have a period of sobriety, maybe it be 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, a year, will say, Maybe I was just going through a hard time. Maybe I wasn't an alcoholic at all. Maybe this doesn't relate to me. Oh, I certainly did. And I will tell you, I had friends who kind of helped me with that thought process too. You know, uh, my dearest friend who would do anything for me was like, no, you're not an alcoholic. You just like to drink too much sometimes. Yeah. But when I, it's true, but when I, when I was, uh, after a while attending the alcoholics, uh, you know, my 12 step group, I really had to concede inside myself that my relationship with alcohol was not a healthy one. It was, it was consuming me more than I ever thought. And that desire to drink like a lady, um, was, it was like being in prison. I can't say it any other way. It was really, yes. really difficult. And I'm so grateful that I decided to just stick it out and believe. Um, that's what I was told. You know, of course, when things get better, because we are not using alcohol on a daily basis, when they get better, it's easy to have the doubt come. Right. Yes, absolutely. And this is the thing that's so interesting about this article is that, you know, I, this is not new, this mm -mm. questioning process is not new to COVID because you hear people now either in 12 steps or in therapy or in coaching say, well, I'm wondering, you know, this is just, this just has to do with COVID. This just has to do because we're back. No, no, no. Like I, I will tell you, I remember a lot of people question that. And I think one of the things that's interesting about, uh, about having some time and looking, having perspective is yes. that, you know, for me, I, you know, everybody questions that because I think if you have a support system of people around you, whether it be family, friends, they'll, they'll say, well, look, you're so together now. Obviously right. it wasn't that big of a problem, right? They don't right. know the journey <laughs> that you had to go through just to get to the place that, that you're, that you're okay, that you're functioning. Right. 
Right. I think that uh, I, I think seeing other people make that decision. Yep. It was just a fad and get just mm-hmm. blown off the map and taken out either right. dying or really bad consequences happening. It does make you kind of question. It's like, you know what? Let me think about this a little bit more and talk with people that I trust and, and walk through this thinking process I'm having about why I'm questioning this. So, so true. And you and I've talked about gray area drinkers, which kind of came out of COVID, but we're not talking about somebody who could possibly, you know, drink again. We're talking about the person that the minute that they have one, the obsession begins and the obsession that is in us to continue to drink is really, really powerful. Um, And that's why they call it cunning, baffling and powerful. And the whole onus around, I have to be able to drink again. That's not normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Normal drinkers. This is alcoholism, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so like if we're really going to boil it down, it's like the alcoholism, the, the ability to be able to, uh, to forget all of the bad things that happened to you just a month or two months ago or a right. year ago uh, is alcoholism itself. The, the, right. That, that is the thinking process behind alcoholism. The denial and denial Absolutely. is very, very strong. And that's why many people have to, you know, light their buildings on fire before they recognize it. So I love having the conversation. I think it's important to talk about that. And maybe one day they will be able to say, oh, this is exactly why your brain became addicted to alcohol. But I truly believe there are many people who cross that line, that imaginary line, and it's the point of no return. They will never have a healthy relationship with alcohol. I know for me personally, that first drink, the next day I had the phenomena of craving. That's how quick it yeah. was for me. But yeah. I do think we have a whole bunch of people where it might take a little time. Well, this is why it's so important to have you know, a sponsor, a coach, a therapist, somebody where you can talk this through, a good peer support group to talk this through. I know I had to talk mm-hmm. that through an early recovery is to be able to say, it's like, listen, you know, um, why am I having these thoughts? You know, because for me, like, and I, and I know that I'm similar to, 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 to a lot of people in recovery is that their experience, because I've heard this over and over again. It's like, I might question, it's like, well, maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe I could handle it now. Maybe my metabolism right. is different. Maybe, right? right. Like, I, I think that the, I think the thing that you have to have is, you know, I think the 12 steps says, you know, the innermost self has to realize that you're alcoholic. And I, you know, I definitely had that. I understood that there was no amount of fooling or con artist kind of crap that I could give myself (laughs) that's going to change the fact that I can't drink normally, right? Like that's just that, that's the reality. And I think that that's where people have to come to. Well, you've said it before. We've talked about whether or not uh, we talked about a vaccine that's being investigated, (laughs) that if you could take a pill and drink normally, you probably wouldn't. And I'm in the same boat. I didn't want to just have a couple of sips. I wanted to get blotted. And that alone tells me that it's dangerous because normal drinkers don't. They don't. They say, I've had enough. They're able to push away. I was not interested in anything like that. I really wanted to be, you know, uh, blasted every single time I picked up a drink. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? The... This is funny. And this comes back to the whole Easter weekend, right? Like 
watching family members and friends and stuff, they can have like a glass or two of champagne. Right. And they're like, wow, you know what? Like this is, th- this is, um, this is more than enough for me. And you right. know, they like, I want to take a nap now or something like that. <laughs> it's so funny because it's like, I just don't even relate to that. You know, Mm -mm. it's like, why would you want to have one or two glasses of champagne when there's like three bottles there? True, Damon. I I remember distinctly doing Thanksgiving dinner and one of the, you know, my son's Grammy had a bottle of wine and she drank maybe a glass out of it. And I said, what do you want to do with this wine? Because I always do the dishes. And she said, oh, just throw it away. I was like, that's alcohol. That's horrifying. And you think about that. You think that is not that is not a normal brain. And I'm no, okay not at it. all, not not at all. You know, and I think that the you know, w- with food or whether it be with alcohol or anything, that that obsessive thought process of taking you through. I think that this is just somebody that something that happens to everybody. So, like, if you're out there listening to this, and you know, on the live or the podcast or the replay, <clears throat> if you've gone through this, don't beat yourself up. I think that's the mm-hmm. big message too, because I think a lot of people they'll question. I think it's actually healthy, actually, to question. Sure. Uh, hey, was this? Let me relook at this again. The problem becomes is that if you don't have people around you, you will tell stories that aren't true. You'll go, "Well, it wasn't really that bad. I wasn't in the hospital that long. The doctor didn't really say this. The personal relationships I had, they would have come back. It was just a fad, or it was just a thing, right? Right. And I think just the experience, Christina and I could tell you is like to really question that hard to people that were there and know you because, um, you know, alcoholism is so cunning, baffling and powerful. And as my friend Don Z always says, patient, it will wait, right? Like, yes. um, even though I don't believe alcoholism is a thing waiting for me, but it's a really good example because it is patient. It will wait till the right time that you can talk your way out of it. Because we know, Christina, this is the big thing out of this, that alcoholism is a thinking disorder. It yes. really, it really is. It's the way you think is different, especially regarding alcohol. Absolutely. And all I had to look at was my process with most things. You know, I am an addict, true and true. And when I realized that I finished things quickly, I obsessed about different things. Uh, When I looked at my friends who could drink normally and they were able to stop, my outpatient uh, treatment center had you write a relapse program so that Mm -hmm. you could share with your friends. And I could easily write down exactly how I would trick them into believing that it was just a fad. And I remember reading it to my two dear friends. One was a roommate, the other was a long-term friend, and their faces (laughs) when I explained exactly the lies I would tell. uh, You know, I always feel like I had so much grace at the beginning because I was able to be honest exactly how I would trick them. They were astonished and horrified and i realized exactly. <laughs> i realized normal people don't do that <laughs> yes well you know it's it's funny because i always use you know in coaching i always used the strawberry analogy and my and my strawberry analogy is if a year ago you had had you had kind of uh recovered from mm-hmm. a strawberry allergy that left you in the hospital left you in you know in jail uh, mm-hmm. got you, you know, arrested or, or any other bad, you know, broke up your family, uh, broke, you know, destroyed your health, left you broke. 
a year from now, would you be saying, hey, you know what? I think I'm just going to try strawberries one more time. (laughs) Really test this out because you wouldn't do that. And people look at me, they go, no, I'm allergic to strawberries. I wouldn't do that. And I go, well, this is the exact same thing, right? Like, Like the thinking process is the exact same. It's like, why would you question something that left you in a bad place? The obsession. And this is really what, and this is what I think that's really interesting about this. And, you know, I know from a coaching standpoint, Christina, this is the in early recovery. This is specifically what, what is going on, which is why you need a good coach or a sponsor or a therapist is to question the thinking that people have, because it's the thinking is warped regarding Mm -hmm. alcohol. It is very, very warped and it does not. I I find that my thinking regarding alcohol, although my actions are different, my thinking can be very similar. Like I'll see a couple people that have a couple glasses of champagne and I'll be like, why would you leave half the glass? My thinking has not changed (laughs) on that, but my actions, but me being able to identify that thinking as not being a healthy or normal way to think about alcohol has changed. So, so true. And I think it takes a little bit of time. Maggie, who wrote the article, I I believe she was talking about 175 days at the time that she wrote the article. And she goes on to explain in her case that she did get to a peer support group, that she was able to do the things that you need in the beginning, having that coach, having that therapist and sponsor. And sometimes all three is essential. We've talked about building a team for yourself in early recovery, and it is essential so that our brain doesn't cheat us out of a life that is worth living. You really do. You have to build that recovery dream team. I say, just like you're putting together a basketball team or a Mm -hmm. baseball team or a corporate board, right? You have to build a team of people that you really trust. Well, you know, my, my, my parameter with this is, will this person tell me the truth, right? Like you want people that are going to tell you the truth, no matter how much that might hurt you, you know, your ego, you want people that are going to tell you the truth, say, no, that thinking's not right. Or don't do things like that. Or that wasn't the right thing to do, right? That will actually tell you because this, this is, and this is the great thing because you will find people like that. Uh, like, and you know, I always said that, you know, in early recovery, people said, you know, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Right. Uh, not to hide it from you. Right. And that's what I hope that everybody can find in their recovery. Well, and that's one of the reasons why Recovered Life exists so that we realize that people are out there walking through the same things that we're walking through and we can support each other. Well, absolutely. And you know what? This is uh, this has been a really great segment. I'm going to put a link uh, to this Guardian article in the show notes, guys. So you guys can access it. Definitely worth a read. Read uh, Maggie's article on The Guardian. Uh, the title of it was, I Really an Addict, How the Pandemic uh, Made Me Realize I Had an Alcohol Problem. So definitely check that out. And, you know, Christina, I wanted to mention here before we go on to the next segment uh, about the Recovered Life Network, about the yes. community that we've built here. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people listen to the live show uh, like Danny, shout out to Danny, who's listening live right now on uh, Facebook. So I know a lot of people listen like Danny uh, to the show every day, but they might not necessarily be uh, a member of Recovered Life. And I want to give a little plug to that because it's such a great community. I know I was on there posting yesterday uh, regarding Eastern interacting with people. So Recovered Life is, you know, a private 
uh, it, it's a private membership area that you can access at recoveredlife.us. You can join 100% for free and you can really connect with the community of like-minded people, You know, interact with top recovery experts like Christina Dennis and get access to exclusive content and meaningful discussions. And I think that's what you love the best about it, Christina. I do. I really do. really can have great discussions with people. I do. And also you'll meet people all over the world. If you join, make sure to follow me and uh, we can do a quick exchange of shout outs. So definitely. Well, definitely guys, join us at recoveredlife.us. That is recoveredlife.us. Christina, we've got an amazing new episode coming up here. A second little segment here coming up on the Recovered Life Show. And I think you guys are going to like it. If you're into meditation, guys, if you're into yoga, you want to hold tight for this next segment. It's for you. We're going to be back at uh, back after this quick little break. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show. Welcome back to segment number two. Uh, before we get started on it, though, I want to let everybody know this show is being brought to you by Recovered Life contributors and people like you. Make sure to share, follow, like, hello, Danny, and leave us a comment so that we can continue to bring interesting topics to the show. Also visit info.recoveredlife.us. There is a button to make a donation, which allows us to keep doing this show and helping others. And you can join the Recovered Life Network for complete free. Once again, info.recoveredlife.us. Thank you so much, Christina, for mentioning that. Really great segment coming up here. Just want to let everybody know we had a fight right before the show about <laughs> how to actually pronounce this uh, segment. Yes. Yes, but, but I uh, knew. So I'm going to let you do it. I'm going to let you do it, Christina. Go okay. ahead. So we're going to talk about Qigong. And, that's, uh, and I practice saying that because the people who are English speaking cannot use Qigong the way that they say it. I've heard about Qigong and I came across this article that talked about how it was saving this person's life who was an addict and he was trying to move away. But then it sent me on a little rabbit hole. Uh, to try to understand what Qigong is. Um, it's a combination of movement and breathing. Um, it may seem a little bit like Tai Chi, but it's a little simpler. And there are so many studies going out about it. It has been proven to help with addiction and with depression. And I think that it's something that we should all kind of start talking about because it's such a beautiful, easily followed uh art form yeah where i heard about this actually was chiropractors were starting to use this for clients who were suffering from physical conditions but then they also had they felt that they had um they they had some sort of like processing or emotional issues going on mm -hmm. that they could not get through right they were like stuck in these emotional issues and they were applying qigong to that and uh, it's very, very interesting. And I think the study of this has gone on for quite some time now. And yes. I'd love to talk about this article. I guess The Guardian was our favorite go-to this weekend. There's good stuff uh, there. In, in, in reading. But uh, so I, I want to get just a shot out, a shout out to the people who uh, wrote the article. It was Emilio uh, Linero 
who 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 wrote this and it's uh, a massive spiritual shift how the mindfulness movement of qigong can help treat addiction see i say qigong but it's qigong can help qigong. treat addiction so it's definitely a great article what was the shocking thing about this for you did you did you know a lot about qigong uh christina I, before you read this no i had heard it uh with some of the recovery programs and some of the recovery professionals that i you know network with and i had heard that it was very very effective and i think what um was interesting about uh Emilio's article was that he was searching for this. He was sober. He was searching for a way to have peace in sobriety and actually already, you know, was hanging out with monks and still suffering. And he happened to sign up for a workshop. And in one session, he said he had a huge spiritual shift, just one session. And I thought, wow, here's somebody who's really searching for some truth, you know, from peace. And what we know about the nervous system is until we can settle the nervous system down, we can't really get to a solution for the problem. Yeah, I've heard of this, uh, especially for people who have been stuck in addiction, that they just are really being tortured, right? And they have mm -hmm. tried everything but just feel that it's the process is going very slow or slower than their fellows, right? And they've tried this and had had massive shifts. One of the things that I've heard about uh, about Qigong, and I'd love to talk with you about this because is about the ability for it to bring you to acceptance. Yes. That this is a big thing. It's it's not necessarily that like, and because we want to be upfront here. I, I, you know, I don't believe that you're going to go in to uh, a session of Qigong as an alcoholic and come out not an alcoholic. Like that's right. not what we're saying, right? But it does seem to have this gateway, a uh, path to be able to be able to have a little bit more of internal acceptance right. about what is going on with you and the ability to just be able to realize it's like, all right, this is what's up. I would almost use the word clarity. Mm, that's a good word. That's a really good word. I know when I first got sober, I was looking for peace. That was something that I really, really was searching for. I was so tired. And in my recovery program, I have to include movement. And I think what's nice about Qigong is that you can follow it. You can find instructions on, you know, the internet. You can do it no matter what your physical capability is. And it's accumulative. And that means, you know, you, you will use these movements in a moment when you are stressed out, but you can come to a place where you use them proactively. And I love the idea. I mean, one of my problems was not actually being in my body. I was so disassociated. Yeah, I, I love that. The connection of your mm -hmm. mind, body, spirit. You know, we talk a lot about one of the things I think in 12-step groups that is is misunderstood and not elaborated on enough about, and I think it's just the context in which it's written. I don't think there's anything wrong with this, is, the, is this, this whole idea of meditation. You know, mm -hmm. meditation is talked a lot about in the big book. It's talked a lot about in all different kind of forms of 12-step. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think back when they wrote that, their idea and information about meditation was very limited, but they even, but they even highlighted the importance of being able to just stop 
mm-hmm. and to be able to sit in quiet and reflect and let things come to you as right. opposed to fighting, fighting, fighting in the ring all the time to try to get breakthroughs. Well, and some of us, you'll have to tell me if you are, were a good meditator, some of us really struggled with that in the beginning. I mean, there are still days where I struggle with sitting, you know, I set my alarm and I can literally feel the anxiety of sitting still. And so the idea that I could do some movements and still have that mindfulness seems like a little softer, easier way to meditation. How did you meditate oh, when you wh- first got here? Do, do you think that I have a hard time sitting still? Come on. Yes. Anybody who knows me knows that I have a hard time sitting still. Although I will tell you, like, um, I I know that this is going to be, I, I don't recommend this. Okay. I do okay. not recommend this, but how I really kind of, I had tried formal meditation. I tried all these different kinds of things, right? And I do, my, I'm a very fast thinker. Like anybody yes. out there that's listening to this on the live, if you want to put a comment on, we'd, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Because, you know, I, my brain goes and goes and goes. So the first step with me and the first step always with me has been how do I kind of reduce my thinking and just be. Right. And uh, at first, you know, I know this is just sounds so unhealthy, but at first, I, how I really got into just being able to sit for an hour was smoking cigars with friends, just oh. being able to sit down for an hour. And I would do that. Like I, I met some friends and every couple of weeks we would go and we'd have a cigar and I would sit there. And I remember after doing that, I would say, hey, you know what? That was interesting. And they were all in recovery, by the way. Right. And I felt that I just sat there for a period of time. And I was really into the conversation. So then that's when I just took it to like, hey, maybe I could just sit in my backyard. So for me, I've really evolved my meditation. Maybe I could do 10 or 15 minutes of meditation. But Mm -hmm. what I am able to do now is I'm able to get to a place to neutrality where I'm not obsessively thinking or thinking and just sitting and being. And for me, that's huge. You know that for me, that was a very big breakthrough. And it has, I mean, they, it has serious uh, physical uh, benefits. It, it actually, meditation actually overrides your BNDF, which is your default mode. It overrides it and allows us as we continue to proactively meditate to get to a place where we don't have a physical reaction when stress happens. We don't have that physiological response, that nervous system that is in fight, flight, freeze, you know, or fawn and actually get uh, more online with our prefrontal cortex. And so it's gone, it's come a long way and we have a lot of studies out there showing it, but I think this is a, this is something everybody can do. You know, I respect the fact that sometimes we can't sit still when we first get into recovery, because that still happens to me. But I love the idea. And I'm going to grab some of the exercises of doing something with movement, because that will allow us to be mindful. And uh, I think that's a lot easier target than, you know, sitting down and not having thoughts. Well, I think we need to get I think we need to get uh a Qigong expert onto the show yes. to talk yes. about really the benefits of this, because I think that, I think it's a, look, I think it's huge. I mean, you know, I think rehabs get a lot of, uh, a, a lot of flack 
yes. for high priced alternative therapies like equine therapy or things like that. But I will, I, but I do have to say that, uh, they have been the breakthrough in right. a lot of things of trying new things, right? Like nutrition is one of them. Like I know a lot yes. of the rehabs started really heavy on nutrition because they're seeing people in the throes of it 24, seven, 365. So it's like, I'm all, I'm all for it. Like for me, whatever works, right? Like, but right. I, I don't think you also need Qigong to really be able to start to practice mindfulness and meditation either. It's like, I think it's, I think for me, what this has been is little bites at the apple. It hasn't yes. been one big bite like right. Reiki. Like I'm a huge, like, I think we talked about this too. I've had amazing responses from Reiki. Yes. Like I really have, I've had huge breakthroughs from doing Reiki. And I have friends that, that laugh. They're like, this is crazy. Like, I don't know. I just sat there for a while. Nothing mm -hmm. happened, you know, and oh. I, I respect that too. But sure. for me, I've had, I've had several Reiki sessions where I've had major breakthroughs. Oh, I love Reiki. Uh, I do it weekly along with some movement to help, uh, let go of things that I don't know how to let go of. We store so much in our body. If you've ever read the book, The Body Keeps the Score, it is a massive book about scientific research showing. And since addicts are generally drinking over their trauma, uh, you know, not connecting to it, when we first get sober, it is we need all of these tools in our belt. We need, we need every single one of them. And uh, I know that that is what I needed. And that's what has allowed me to stay for as long as I have. I didn't know how to yeah. live in my body. I didn't know how to handle things, you know? And so the more I'm able to pick up different tools, the better. Well, you know, I think that, um, you know, as they say, more will be revealed. And I think mm -hmm. one of the things that's interesting is, is that we don't know what we don't know. And right. you know, I say that a lot. We don't know what we don't know. And one of the things that, that has been, a, I think, one of the biggest breakthroughs, and you just mentioned it, one of the biggest breakthroughs in recovery, I would say since the 30s, the 20s or 30s, mm -hmm. has been this idea that there are trauma patterns within us, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that I think it's no coincidence now that they have identified that people who are in recovery, people who are trying to get into recovery that are suffering from active addiction, uh, seem on the whole to be a victim to these much more than yes. the average bear, right? Like, so right. we know that, like, we just know this from being able to open our eyes and be around people, right? So right. the question is like, okay, what's going to help that trauma? What's going to heal those trauma patterns? And, you know, we've had Stacey Dampert on the show. Mm -hmm. You do a whole room on Recovered Life Discussions on Tuesday where you talk about the brain. We know that these, these neural patterns are going on. This is not, this is a fact now, right? That we didn't know. You know, we assumed in the 20s and 30s that this was happening. Not that I was there in the 20s and 30s. I don't <laughs> want to that myself. <laughs> Christina and I were not there in the 20s, even no. the 20-somethings that listen to the show. We were not there in the 20s and 30s. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but, but we do know that these are happening. And so I think anything that's going to build on that, 
idea, mm -hmm. right? Of, okay, well, how do you get out of trauma? How do you identify that you might be having a trauma response? You know, we did this whole thing about character defects on the Recover Life Show. Is it a character defect or is it a trauma response? I believe it could be both, right? I believe right. there are character defects and there are trauma responses, right? So it's, 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 I think there's room in the recovery market for new alternative things as long as it gets you closer to where you want to be and so further true. from a drink. Yes, yes. And if you can, if we could do a few exercises to help calm our nervous system down, I mean, what what is the negative of that? There is no negative. And so I love that they are pairing all of this in recovery programs and rehab facilitations, and they are actually having scientific studies on this. And so we know that uh, when we get into recovery, it's body, mind, and soul. And I believe that this is actually, you know, touching the soul part. Absolutely. You know, this is the funny thing about this is that I think that, um, you know, so much of this, uh, so much of this just gets a bad rap. And I think right. I'll, I'll tell you why, because alcoholics and people who suffer from addiction, codependence, everything, we're way more of a black, we're way black and white thinkers. Yes. It's all or nothing. And I think, and I've seen this with, you know, a friend and I were talking about this, that we've had friends that get into recovery and we see it, right? Maybe we have more time than they do. And what happens, they come in and they've lived the most unhealthy lifestyle, right? Right. And then they decide that they're going to be gym rats and that's yes. all they're going to do. And everything about their life is that the gym is going to solve every problem that they have, right? And you see the heartbreak at the end of that when they right. realize it was like, well, you know what? Uh, no, I'm going to have to actually go to therapy or I'm going to have to work on these personal relationships. It's it's not all going to be about my personal health or how much I can lift, right? So we get very addicted to these. Well, I'm, I'm going to use the word fad. I don't think Kigong is a fad, but we get addicted to these fads that we say this is going to save us and i think that that is that that too is addiction right yes. that too is addiction and distraction and i don't think that if you want long-term recovery that you can ever skip doing the work you know trauma gets stored in the body but we also need to change our belief patterns and we need to change our belief systems and that means deep down inside work. Um, but it's the key. It's actually the key to give us what we want. It's just hard. Yes, absolutely. Every It is a journey. Guys, we want to know what you have to say about this because that's really the most important thing, right? We do the show for everybody mm -hmm. to see what they have to say and how that's working on their on their recovery. Uh, Danny wrote, which I'm going to put up on screen here. So true. There's plenty of room for new ways to find success in recovery. We agree yes. with you, Danny. We absolutely agree with you and be like J Danny. You can uh, come on and you can comment on the live stream or you could go to recoveredlife.us. And we're going to put a poll up here about, you know, can Qigong help treat addiction? We want to know what you have to say. This has been a really great show. This has been yes. a really great show. I always learn a lot. This is the interesting thing about, you know, uh, I thought I'd do the show to be of service at first. like, And then I realized it was like, wow, I'm getting more information out of the show doing the yes. show than I think we're giving. 
Yes, yes, it's definitely it's definitely a love of labor, labor of love. And I agree, me, me as well. What a beautiful way to start our Monday week to be able to share it with everybody. So what's going on in your recovery this week? I know we've got a lot of recovered life discussions. We've got one coming up here at uh, 10 o'clock in 15 minutes on Clubhouse. Uh, I know we do every Monday. I host a uh, discussion on Clubhouse about you know, creating your weekly sober plan, what you're focusing on. And, uh, you know, look, we can create a weekly sober plan, whether we've got 30 years or one day. So true. So true. Well, to tomorrow in the narrow room, we are going to discuss shame. Uh, it was such an intense, wonderful conversation last week that we'll be doing a part two and the difference between, you know, shame and guilt, humiliation and self-compassion. And it gives language to it gives us words for what we're feeling, which is the first step to be able to move through those feelings. And I'm looking forward to it. So loving that conversation. I know that was a hit last week. Everybody was talking about those rooms. And, you know, we've got a new Unstuck that's going to be coming up Thursday. You know, we've been talking about a lot of metaphysics about how mm -hmm. to change your inner state, how to look at things differently and take some really big, bold, mighty moves in your recovery so that you could live your best recovered life. So join us Thursday at 10 a.m. Guys, we'd like to we, we'd like to thank everybody for listening to the show. I would like to make a, a note here. Next episode is 100, episode Woo! 100, which is kind of blows my mind. You know, I started off slow. I would do one a month and one every two weeks, then one a week. And now we've got three live shows a, a week. And plus, you know, four one-hour discussions that we've got, which are going to now be on the Recovered Life Show. So if you're listening on the podcast, hold tight. We've got these Recovered Life discussions coming in between the episodes. So that's going to be good. But it seems hard to believe, Christina. Now you've joined me as the co-host here. And wow, we're uh, episode 100. It's kind beautiful. It is beautiful. It proves that people need to talk about these things. And we as a society need to embrace recovery. And it's time to change the dynamic of it being something we keep in the dark. Yes, absolutely. You know, this has been quite a journey for me. I have learned a ton uh, fr from all me of too. you, from all of the comments and the people on the recovered life. Uh, so I'd like to thank everybody in advance. I think we're going to do a little uh, look back over the wow. last year or so, over 100 episodes on Wednesday. So make sure to join us at 8 a.m. for the live show on Wednesday. And then I said 10, but it's actually 9 o'clock, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday on Clubhouse for the Recovered Life discussions. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, Hope guys, we will see episode 99, Monday, April 18th, 2022 in the... Bye. Thank you. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.